just stay in that attitude of worship and go ahead and be seated. And we're going to continue... looking at God's desire to restore our lives. So if you would go with me to Deuteronomy chapter 30. And we've been talking about going from devastation, which means to ruin, to restoration. And as you're in Deuteronomy 30, I want you to hold your place there. And I'm just going to read out of 2 Peter chapter 1. Verse 4, it says, By which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises that through these we may be partakers of the divine nature. How do we become partakers of the divine nature? Through the precious promises of God. And so as we see God's desire through His Word tonight, we receive it. His great and precious promises... Say as we was worshiping there, I just kept hearing, you know, Second Corinthians chapter one verse twenty that all the promises of God are in Him, yes, and in Him, Amen. That God's desire is to restore our life, yes. God's desire is to restore spirit, soul, body, financially, relationally, socially, and He echoes, yes, yes, yes. Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 2 in the Amplified, it says, And shall return to the Lord your God and obey His voice according to all that I command you today, you and your children, with all your mind and heart, and with all your being. Therefore, the Lord your God will restore your fortunes and have compassion upon you and will gather you again from all the nations where He has scattered you. Verse 3, Then the Lord your God will restore Your fortunes, the Word of God reveals the will of God. The Word of God reveals the desire of God. And he says his desire is to restore. And we've seen that in the Word, when God refers to restoration, it's always to improve, multiply, increase, and make better. And God is saying that he wants to restore our life. Go to Psalms 126. Nope, go to Acts chapter 3. We'll come back to 126. Acts chapter 3, God's desire is to restore our life. Say, God's desire desire is to restore restore my life. life. Verse 19 of Acts chapter 3, in the Amplified, it says, So repent, change your mind and purpose, turn around and return to God, that your sins may be erased and blotted out, wiped clean, that times of refreshing, of recovering from the effects of heat, of reviving with fresh air may come from the presence of the Lord. What were we experiencing a while ago? The presence of the Lord. There's, the presence of the Lord always comes for a purpose. I mean, yes, He's with us and He's in us and He's always uh, here. But whenever His presence is tangible like that, it's the anointing of God that removes burdens and destroys yokes. And his anointing is presence to bring restoration, which is improvement, multiplication, increasing, and making our lives better in every area of our lives. Say, God's desire is to restore my life. What in your life needs restored? Verse 20, it says, And 
that he may send to you the Christ, the Messiah, who before was designated and appointed for you, even Jesus, whom heaven must receive and retain until the time for the complete restoration of all that God spoke by the mouth of all his holy prophets for ages past from the most ancient time in the memory of man. The time for the complete restoration. Say complete restoration. restoration. Now go with me to Psalms 126. Now how does faith come? By hearing and hearing by the word of God. So we see in Deuteronomy chapter 30 verses 2 and 3 that the Lord desire is to restore our fortunes. Acts chapter 3 verse 21 that God's desire is complete restoration. Psalms 126. When the Lord brought back the captives who returned to Zion, we were like those who dream. It seems so unreal. Then were our mouths filled with laughter and our tongues with singing. Then they said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us. We are glad. Turn to freedom our captivity and restore our fortunes, O Lord, as the streams in the south and Egypt are restored by the torrents. Turn to freedom our captivity and restore our fortunes. What is God's desire for our life? To restore. Say say restore. Restore. Isaiah 42. Now these are all foundational scriptures, scriptures that we've covered, but faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And in order for us to receive what God is saying, we've got to create an environment to conceive what God is saying, right? Isaiah 42, verse 9, it says, Behold, the former things have come, and new things I now declare. I now declare, before they spring forth, I'll tell you of them. Verse 18, Hear you deaf, and look you blind, that you may see who is blind but my servant Israel, or deaf like my messenger whom I send, who is blind like the one who is at peace with me, who has been admitted to covenant relationship with me, Yes, who is blind like the Lord's servant? You have seen many things, but you do not observe or apprehend their true meaning. His ears are open, but he hears not. It was the Lord's pleasure for his righteousness sake in accordance with the steadfast and consistent purpose to magnify instruction and revelation and glorify them. God is magnifying instruction and revelation to glorify who? Us. God is magnifying and glorifying revelation in order to magnify us. Yes, of course, it is going to magnify him. Just like the Bible says, a wise person wins souls. That doesn't mean that a wise person just gets people born again, but a wise people wins them to you, their soul, their mind, will, and emotions are one to you, and you point them to him. And he's saying, I'm glorifying and magnifying revelation to magnify you because when you're magnified, he's glorified. And he goes on in verse 22, But this is a people robbed and plundered. They are all of them snared in holes and hidden in houses of bondage. They have become a prey with no one to deliver them, a spoil with no one to say restore. This shows the condition that will ensue as Israel's punishment for not recognizing the servant of the Lord in the day of his visit among them. Who is there among you who will give ear to this, who will listen and hear in the time to come? In other words, he's saying, I need someone who will see and someone who will hear the new thing that God is doing. And the new thing he's talking about is restoration. It's not necessarily new to God, but it's new to us. And God is saying, I need someone to say restore. If God's restoration is going to take place in our life, we've learned We've got to charge the atmosphere with restoration. Say restore. Restore. 
So we've seen through God's word, and it's through the great and precious promises that we become partakers of his divine nature, right? We take part of his divine nature. We take part of the covenant. We take part of the will of God for our life through the word of God. So if there's no word, there's no will revealed, but God is revealing his will through his word, and his will is restore... He says, I just need somebody who will see it and somebody who will hear it and somebody who will say it. Has he found that in you? Go with me to Psalms uh, 78. And in order for us to receive what God is saying, we've got to conceive... What God is saying. Now we know the word conceive means to be pregnant. It means to apprehend. To apprehend means to take. To become pregnant means to be filled with. So in order for us to receive what God is saying and what is God saying? That his desire is to restore our life. Well we've got to conceive. Now this isn't a once in a wild thing, in order for us to conceive, this is going to take consistency. It's more than just coming to church once a week. It's more than just listening on Wednesday nights. It's more than just taking notes on Wednesday nights and putting it in your car, putting it in your office. It's going to take repetition. It's going to take consistency. Right? As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Thinks in his heart, not his head. Thinks in his, his heart. In his place where we conceive is in our heart. And yes, our thinking is involved, but whenever he says thinking is hard, it means to meditate, it means to ponder, it means to dwell upon. Think, meditate, dwell upon, ponder, study, stay in it, consistent, say, say consistent. God wants to restore my life. God wants to restore our families. God wants to restore our finances. God wants to restore. God wants us to think bigger than we've thought before. God wants us to get beyond what we're dealing with right now, but it's going to take us seeing beyond what we see right now and thinking beyond what we think right now and saying beyond what we're saying right now and believing beyond what we're believing right now. Hold your place in Psalm 78 and look at Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. We'll come back to Psalm 78. God is wanting to restore. Verse 20. Ephesians 3 verse 20 in the Amplified. It says, Now to him who by consequence of the action of his power that is at work within us is able. Say it's able. able. What's able? His power is able. His word is able. His name is able. His blood is able. God is able to carry out his purpose and do superabundantly. Do you know God's a doer? God's a doer. He's able to do superabundantly, far over, above all that we dare ask or think. What are we asking and what are we thinking on in order to conceive what God is wanting to take place in our life? What are we thinking? We're thinking restore. What are we asking? We're asking restore. It says above what we're asking and thinking, infinitely beyond our highest prayers, desires, thoughts, hopes, 
or dreams? Have you connected your desires to the desire for restoration? Have you connected your thinking to the thinking of restoration? Have you connected your dreams? Remember in Psalms 126, it says it's, it's going to be so unreal. It's going to be like you're in a dream when God restores your life. What is he saying? When God increases, multiplies, improves and makes better, it's going to be like a dream. But I need somebody who will think restore, dream restore, hope restore, ask to restore, desire restore. See, desire comes from the word. Desire comes from the presence of God. Remember Philippians 2.13? It says, for it is God who works in me both to will and to do for his good pleasure. It is God, and the Amplified says, it is God who creates the desire. So we go back to the presence of the Lord. Where does restoration come from? It comes from the presence of the Lord. So in order for us to receive what God is saying, we've got to be willing to conceive, become pregnant, apprehend, take what God is saying. And what is God saying? I want to restore your life. My desire is to restore your life. What does that look like? What does that look like? Psalm 78, he's wanting us to think bigger than we thought Psalm 78, verse 41. It says, Yes, again and again they tempted God and they limited the Holy One of Israel. They did not remember His power the day when He redeemed them from the enemy. I want to read that again. Verse 41. Yes, again and again they tempted God and limited the Holy One of Israel because they did not remember His power. You know, we focus a lot on forgetting the past in order to press towards what God has for us. But you know, there's a power to forget the bad, but there's also a power to remember the good. It says that they limited God. You and I can limit God when we question, and we've all done this before at some point in time, when we question, can God provide the finances? Can God take care of the bills? Can God provide clothes for the kids? Can God heal my body? Can God restore my life? Will God? Have you ever been in that state? And every time we do, we limit. And it just reveals to us, okay... The image isn't perfected yet, so what does that mean? That I spend more time in the presence of God and more time in the Word of God. And like we've learned, the Holy Spirit dips into the Word of God and begins to paint on our heart God's desire for restoration. God's desire to restore this church. God's desire to restore every part of this body. God's desire to restore every part of your family. God's desire to restore every part of your business. God's desire. But it says they limited the Holy One of Israel because they did not remember. They did not remember. They, didn't, they did not remember. So if they limited God by not remembering, they would unlimit God by 
remembering that it was God who opened up the Red Sea. They remembered that it was God that brought down manna from heaven. They remembered that it was God that was a a, a cloud by day and a fire by night. And do we remember it was God who raised Jesus from the dead. It was God who, who brought us from the kingdom of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of Jesus Christ. It was God who ordained you. It was God who wired you. It was God who designed you. It was God who empowered you. It is God who lives on the inside of you. Do you remember? Remember where you've come from and where you're at now. Because if I don't remember, it limits. When I do remember, it unlimits. Remember, David says, I remember the same way God was with me when I defeated the lion and the same way God was with me when I defeated the bears, the same way God is going to be with me when I defeat this giant. What was he doing? He was remembering. Take some time to remember how God healed your body. Take some time to remember when God set you free. Take some time to remember. Remember that time the presence of God was so strong and it became so real to you? Do you remember the time when it just went from your head to your heart? Remember the time when you declared God's word and instantly things begin to happen. Take some time to remember that time when God healed your baby. Take some time to remember that time that you should have been dead, but you're still alive. Because when I don't remember, it limits. But when I do remember, it unlimits. God is saying, I want to do exceeding abundantly above all you ask or think or hope or desire or dream, but I need you first and foremost to ask. I need you first and foremost to desire it. I need you to think it. I need you to say it. I need you to remember. Say restore. Go with me to Genesis chapter 13. And you know one thing that I've learned, and I'm sure if you've been at this very long, God is not moved by our circumstances. <laughs> Have you realized that? That when God speaks to you, it's just like he ignores your current circumstances. <laughs> he doesn't come down and sit down and say, you know, I'm asking you to do this, but I see you only got a buck fifty in the bank. <laughs> You see this here in Genesis chapter 13, verse 14. And the Lord said to Abram, after Lot had left him, lift up now your eyes and look from the place where you are, northward, southward, eastward, westward. For all the land which you see, I will give to you and to your posterity forever, and I will make your descendants like the dust of the earth, so that if a man could count the dust of the earth, then could your descendants also be counted? Arise, walk through the land, the length of it, the breadth of it, and I will give it to you. And Abram moved his tent and came and dwelt among the oats of the terebinths of Mamre, which are at Hebron, and built there an altar to the Lord. Now we're talking about it's important for us to conceive it before we can receive it. And what is God wanting us to conceive that he desires to restore our life? 
and you see how God had to get Abram beyond his current condition. He had to get him beyond his current way of thinking. He had to get him beyond what he saw in the natural, just like he has to get you and I beyond what the bank account looks like, beyond what the physical symptom is, beyond what the economy is, beyond what we see in the natural. Now, his heart and his motive, every time God would show up, was to get them a little closer to becoming who he created them to be. Just like every time you and I open the word and every time we call upon the name of the Lord and every time we're in the presence of God, God's desire is for us to get closer to realizing who he's created us to be and take a step a little, a closer step, a step towards him, a step towards becoming everything that he's called and created us to be. Verse 14, And the Lord said to Abram, After Lot left him, Has it been a while since you've heard the voice of the Lord? Because it could be you might have a lot in your life in a place that he doesn't belong. Because notice he said, the Lord said to Abram after Lot had left him. Now you think of that yourself. We'll leave that right there. He says, now lift up your eyes and look from the place where you are. Now God is, is trying to get Abram to see himself the way that God saw Abram, just like he tries to get you and I and he desires to get you and I to see ourselves the way that he sees us and he is wanting us to conceive in our heart his desire to restore. So he's saying right here to Abram, look from the place where you are. Where are you now? Where are you now financially? Where are you at in your business? Where are you at mentally? Where are you at physically? Where are you at in your passion, your dreams, your desires, your goals? Where are you at in your destiny? Because you have to see beyond where you're at in order to get to the place that God has called and created us to be. He says, look, lift up your eyes, look from the place where you are, northward, southward, eastward, and westward, for all the land which you see, which you see, which you see he had to get him to see something different than what he saw. Amen. We're pulling out some things. What, what, what was God doing in, in Abram? He was getting him to conceive before he received. So it has to do with your looking. What are you looking at? It has to do with your seeing. What are you seeing? He says, now look from the place where you are, northward, southward, eastward, westward, for all the land which you see I will give to you and to your posterity. Go down to verse 17. Arise, walk through the land, the length of it, the breadth of it, for I will give it to you. Are you moving on what God told you to do? Are you seeing what God is telling you to see? Are you looking Looking beyond what you can just see with your natural eyes. Remember, God is talking about conception here. What is it going to take for me to conceive everything that God has for my life? I've got to realize where I'm at, but I've got to see where God wants me to go. And I've got to keep seeing where God wants me to go. And what did God tell him to do? He says, I want you to walk through the, through, the, through the dust. Why was he doing that? Because he was creating an image on the inside of him. He was trying to help Abram create an image on the inside of him because he had to conceive the image. 
Another word of thinking in your heart means to imagine, to get an image. He was walking through the dust. He wanted him to go to the north, to the south, to the east, to the west. He wanted him to get the image of what God had given him because he had to get the image before he could see it in reality. We've got to get the image of restoration before we walk in restoration. Go, go to uh, verse, uh, chapter 15. And this is, this is after, you know, Lot, he gets, the kings take him away. And, and another thing, I just want to pull this out in, in verse 18 of chapter 13. And he built an altar there. So you see, what are some things that the Lord is getting Abram to do? He's getting him to look beyond what he sees in the natural. He's getting him to see the land that he's called to. Can you see what you're called to? Can you see the restoration you're called to? Can you see what God has placed on the inside of you? When you look north, can you see it? When you look south, can you see it? When you look east and west, can you see it? Can you taste it? When you're walking, can you feel what God has for your life? Can you feel the restoration between your toes? Because that's an image. We gotta, we gotta, you have spiritual senses just like you have natural senses. And it says, after the Lord did this with Abram, he built an altar. And an altar represented sacrifice, but an altar also represented worship. It, it represented a place of welcoming God. It represented a place just like God was, he was imprinting, he was instilling, he was solidifying what he had spoke to Abram. In other words, he had brought him because Abram listened to the word, he received the word, he acted on the word, and then he worshipped to solidify what God had done on the inside of him. It's like he went as far as he could go and he solidified it. Not as far as God could go, but Abram went as far as he could go at the moment until he was acting on everything God told him to do up to that point. Because a lot of times we want God to bypass the process and take us to the end, and God won't bypass the process. Now, he will speed it up, but he won't bypass it. So are you looking? Are you seeing? Are you stepping where God has told you to step? Genesis 15. This is after Abram went and rescued Lot. And he worshipped. He gave the tithe back to the Lord. And in verse 15. After these things. Verse 1. Chapter 15. Verse 1. After these things. The word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Saying fear not Abram. I am your shield, your abundant compensation, and your reward shall be exceedingly great. Notice what Abram, um, God was telling Abram, and God is telling us the same thing. I am your shield, I am your abundant compensation, and your reward shall be exceedingly great. And after this, you know, Abram says, okay, Lord, well, how about a child? Because... What I'm going to leave, I don't, I don't have a child. And, and he goes on in verse 5, And he brought him outside his tent into the starlight. Are you allowing God to bring you outside of your tent? 
What does tent represent? It, it represents the, where I'm at right now that I can only think as high as I can think. I can only see to a certain point and God wants to bring us outside our ceiling, outside our lid to get us to think higher, to see further so we can become more. Because I'll never become more unless I think more. I'll never do more unless I become more. I'll never have more unless I become more. God is wanting us to conceive restoration so we can walk in restoration. So he started him with the way that he looked. He started him with the way that he walked. He started him with his worship. And he also, he got to that place and he brought him back outside again. He said, Abe, you're doing a great job, but let's come outside your tent. Let's come outside your way of thinking. Let's come outside your limitations. And let's... Let's begin to elevate it again. Remember Ephesians 3.20 said, I'm wanting to do exceeding abundantly above all you ask or think, hope, desire, or dream. I'm wanting this restoration to take place in your life, but you've got to conceive it in order to receive it. And him coming outside of the tent was part of the conceiving process. Let's go on to verse 5. And he said, look now towards the heavens and count the stars if you're able to number them. Then he said to him, so shall your descendants be. And in verse 6, and he, Abram, believed in, trusted in, relied on, remained steadfast to the Lord, and he counted it to him as righteousness, right standing with God. And he said to him, I am the same Lord who brought you out of the Ur of the Chaldees to give you this land as an inheritance. Notice this, he brought him outside of his tent to the starlight. Verse 5, he said, now look, say look. Look Look now toward the heavens and count the stars. So now he takes him from the sand, he takes him now to the stars. But it comes back down with what he's seeing, right? It comes back down to the vision that he has on the inside of him. Um, And then what did it say in verse 6? And Abram believed God. So God will show us the vision of what he wants, but then it's up to us whether we believe it or not. Every Sunday, every Wednesday, every day of the week when we're spending time in the Word of God, we have a choice of whether we're going to believe the Word of God or not. Abram saw the vision and then he believed. He saw the vision and then he believed. He walked apart in the vision and he believed. He looked up and he believed. Are you seeing restoration because you've got a choice to believe whether God wants to restore your life? You've got to to, to believe that God wants to restore your life. Not just pastor's life, not just our life, not Dr. Savelle's life. How about your life? Because in order for you to experience restoration, you've got to conceive restoration, right? You've got to become pregnant with restoration. Pregnant means to be filled with, to be filled with fruitful, prolific ideas. Hey, you're fruitful, fruitful ideas. It looks like restored ideas. What does it look like for your life to be restored? Right here, once again, God is working with Abram to get him to look beyond his natural circumstance. And Abram believed, and then God said, I'm the same God who brought you out of the the Ur of the Chaldees. I'm the same God. He's saying to us, I'm the same God who brought you out of the kingdom of darkness and brought you into the kingdom of Jesus Christ. I'm the same God who delivered you. I'm the same God who started this process. And I'm the same God who's going to finish this process. If you will believe, I am the same Lord who's healed your body. I am the same Lord who protected your family. I am the same Lord who set you free. I am the same Lord that wants to restore your life. I am the same yesterday yesterday, today, and forever. I'm the same. Say restore. restore. Now go to verse seven, uh, chapter 17. Now, you know, in 16, 
you know, the whole the story there of Abraham, Sarah, and Hagar, and, you know, Sarah saying, okay, the Lord showed up, and he wants us to have a baby, and so I can't do it, so you might already get with Hagar, and Abraham, okay, you know, that's not a good idea, and that turned out to be a mess, right? <laughs> Chapter 17, and Abram was, verse 1, and Abram was 99 years old, and the Lord appeared to him and said, I am the Almighty God, walk and live habitually before me, and be perfect, blameless, wholehearted, and complete. And I will make my covenant solemn pledge between me and you and will multiply you exceedingly. And Abram fell on his face and God said to him, As for me, behold, my covenant solemn pledge is with you and you shall be the father of many nations. Nor shall your name any longer be Abram, highly exalted father, but your name shall be Abraham, father of multitude, for I have made you the father of of many nations, and I will make you exceedingly fruitful and make nations of you, and kings will come from you. Notice how he said right here, and so we're talking about in order for us to receive it, we've got to conceive it. And we see the process that God worked with Abram. He, he told him to, to walk the land, go north, south, east, and west, to fill the dust underneath his feet, to get an image for him to conceive it, right? Then he took him outside of his tent. He told him to look up at the stars. Those are some things that, that Abram was doing, right? He was looking, he was walking, he was worshiping. And right here, what's another thing that God did to get the image on the inside of of him, he changed what he was saying about himself. He no longer called himself Abram, but now he called himself Abraham. He changed his name, changed what we're saying. In order for us to experience restoration, we've got to change what we're saying. Every time he heard his wife say, Abraham, what was happening? The Holy Spirit was taking the power of those words and painting that image on the inside of him because in order for him to receive, he had to conceive. He had to become full of it. So every time he introduced himself, my name is Abraham, father of many nations, what was happening? He was writing that image on the inside of him. When his servants said, Abraham, what was happening? Image, father of many nations, getting him beyond what he saw in the natural, getting him beyond what he felt in the natural, getting him beyond the way that he used to think, get him beyond the way he used to talk, get him beyond the way he used to see, get him beyond the way he used to walk. He was getting full. He was becoming pregnant with what God desired for his life. And what does God desire for our life? Restore. Changed his name. Changed what he was saying. What do you need to change about what you're saying concerning the area that you're wanting to experience restoration in? Because we've got to conceive it, become pregnant, become full of restoration in order to experience restoration. Let's go on. Verse 15, And God said to Abraham, As for Sarah, your wife, you shall not call her name Sarah, but Sarah... Princess, her name shall be. Now notice this. God starts getting in his business right here. So not only did Abram have a name change, but now his wife had a name change. Why? To help not only Abram conceive the image, 
But Sarah had to conceive the image, and the power of life and death is in the tongue. Psalms 45 verse 1 says the tongue is the pen of a ready writer, right? Proverbs 3, 3 says our heart is the tablet. So Abraham is now calling Sarah, Sarah, mother of nations. What's happening? The Holy Spirit is painting that image on the inside of her, getting her to conceive what God wanted for her, what God had created her to be. She had to become full of in her heart before she became full of in the physical. If she never would have got full of in her spiritual heart, she never would have got full of what God wanted in the physical. So God's wanting Abraham to get full of what God had for him, and he wanted his wife Sarah to get full of what God wanted for her. And he goes on in verse 16, and I will bless her. Now notice this, God is getting them beyond what they saw in the natural. God is getting them beyond what it looked like in the natural. God is getting them beyond what it felt like. God is getting them beyond... Just like he's getting us beyond where we've been, right? We're looking from where we're at, and we're looking to where God wants us to be. And right here, and I will bless her and give you a son also by her. Yes, I will bless her, and she will be a mother of nations. Kings of people shall come from her. And Abraham fell on his face and laughed. Now, If you go over here, if you just were to read the New Testament and you were to read Hebrews chapter 11, the hall of faith that Abraham went not knowing, and Abraham was the father of faith, it says nothing about doubting Abraham. You don't get in the hall of faith by doubting. You get in the hall of faith by believing. You get in the hall of faith by standing on the word. You get in the hall of faith by doing great exploits. You get in the hall of faith because you believe God. You don't get there because you doubted. Yes, right. That gives you and I hope. That how good is God that he doesn't record over here in Hebrews 11. He don't record Abraham's doubting. He records his faith. Letting you and I know those days that you and I were in and out. Those days when we were asking, can he, will he, where's it coming from, how? You sure, God? (laughs) Abraham laughed, fell out, right on, I mean, fell on his face laughing. Ha! Have you seen what I see? Sarah's no spring chicken, Lord. (laughs) Haven't been much excitement over here on the back door either. (laughs) (laughs) Ha ha! Laughed in doubt and unbelief. And on a serious note, we've got to get real with ourselves. Where are the areas when God, what God is saying about your future and what God is saying about your destiny and what looks impossible and what it looks like in the natural? We've got to get beyond laughing. Yeah, right, Lord, how? And we've got to go back to what he said and what he's saying. 
just like Abraham, and we've got to choose to believe. Because notice, he did a good job. He made it a long ways. He went north, south, east, and west, right? He felt the dirt, and he, he worshiped, and he believed, and he looked at the stars, right? And he, he believed, and it was accounted unto him to righteousness. But when God kept pushing the envelope, and God kept trying to get him beyond what he saw, and trying to get, get beyond, he, he left church, and the goosebumps were gone, and God showed up, and he tried to push him a little bit when it's just him and God, And he laughs in God's face. Verse 17, And Abram fell on his face and laughed and said in his heart, Shall a child be born to a man who is a hundred years old? And shall Sarah, who is ninety years old, bear a son? And he said to God, Oh, that Ishmael might live before me. In other words, God, didn't you see me in Hagar? I got a son. I did it my way. Burger King didn't come up with that. <laughs> he interrupts God and says, God, no. We got it, we got it handled. <laughs> and it goes on here, but God said, Sarah, your wife, and God interrupts him and says, uh-uh, Sarah, your wife, like I told you from the beginning, Abraham. Sarah, your wife, shall bear you a son indeed, and you shall call his name Isaac. Laughter, and I will establish my covenant or solemn pledge with him for an everlasting covenant and with his posterity after him. And as for Ishmael, I have heard and heeded you. Behold, I will bless him and make him fruitful and multiply him exceedingly. He will be a father of twelve princes, and I will make him a great nation. But, notice how God is very direct here with Abraham. But my covenant, my promise and pledge, I will establish establish with Isaac, whom Sarah will bear to you at this season next year. And God stopped talking with him and went up from Abraham. In other words, conversation is over, Abraham. Remember in Hebrews chapter 3 and chapter 4, how it says that it grieves the heart of God when we have an unbelieving heart. But how merciful and how gracious God is to us to keep working with us and keep believing in us. And apparently, Abraham got his stuff in line because he made it over to Hebrews chapter 11 where he had lived out what God had imparted into his life. Now look over here in Genesis chapter 18, verse 9. Now this is after, now, now you see that God, the, the conversation was over. God doesn't hang around with unbelief, doubt, fear. He lets you know this is where it is. This is what's happening. I'm depositing this seed. I'm trying to take you beyond where you're at. But you've got to choose to believe it. So apparently Abraham got his stuff in alignment and he chose to believe. And right after, right after God left, he went and he got circumcised. Now this is, you talk about some honor of the guys that worked for Abraham and lived in his house. I mean, you know, Abraham, he's, he's 100 years old and gets circumcised. And his son's 13 years old and gets circumcised. And all the men in his house, they got circumcised. I mean, you talk about some honor and some submission and some respect, Right? And in verse 18, you see that God shows up to Abraham again. And in verse 9, and they said to him, Where is Sarah, your wife? And he said, She is here in the tent. The Lord said, I will surely return to you when the season comes around. And behold, Sarah, your wife, will have a son. And Sarah was listening and heard it at the tent door, which was behind him. And now Abraham and Sarah were old, well advanced in years. And you realize when the Bible calls you old, you are old. (laughs) 
And it had ceased to be with Sarah as with young women. She was past the age of childbearing, and Sarah laughed to herself. So not only did Abraham laugh over here in Genesis 17, now Sarah laughed to herself. At least she didn't bust out in in the presence of God like Abraham did, right? But she laughs to herself saying, After I have become age, shall I have pleasure and delight my Lord husband being old also? And the Lord asked Abraham. Notice the Lord didn't go to Sarah. He went to Abraham. Why did Sarah laugh? You know that the Lord even hears what goes on in our heart. She didn't laugh out loud. She laughed in her heart. The Lord still heard it. And the Lord asked Abraham, why did Sarah laugh, saying, shall I really bear a child when I am so old? In verse 14, notice this. Is anything too hard and too wonderful for the Lord? Let's, let's, let's grab a hold of this for ourselves, where, where it comes to restoration spiritually, physically, mentally, financially, relationally, emotionally. Your dream, your destiny. Is anything too hard for the Lord? Is anything too hard? Is anything too hard? At the appointed time when the season of her delivery comes round about, I'll return to you and Sarah, and Sarah shall have borne a son. Then Sarah denied it, saying, I did not laugh, for she was afraid. And he said, no, but you did laugh. <laughs> and notice again, the men arose up from there and faced towards Sodom. In other words, when there was doubt and unbelief, God exited stage left. He went up from Abraham, and right here, they were out of there when Sarah laughed. But apparently, just like Abraham, Sarah got her stuff together also because, you know, Sarah has her own verse in the hall of faith. She wasn't with Abraham in the hall of faith. She has her own verse in the hall of faith. And it says that she she conceived physically because she judged him faithful. So somewhere along the line, she got her stuff in alignment. and And she is pointed out as her, herself, believing God and judging him as faithful. Verse, uh, chapter 21, we're getting ready to be done. Very important for us to conceive it before we can receive it. Genesis 21, verse 1, And the Lord visited Sarah, as he had said, and the Lord did for her as he had promised. How important is the promise of God? How important is the word of God? How important is what God is saying to us that his desire is to restore our life? And, and let's pause here for a moment before we finish this out. Remember, what, what, what did he do to Abram? He brought him out, had him walk north, south, east, and west, had him get an image with the dust, had brought him out of the tent, had him get an image with the stars. He changed his name. He changed what he was saying. God's pointing these things out for you and I in order to conceive it. He's trying to take us beyond what we see in the natural, beyond where we're thinking right now, beyond where we're looking right now, beyond where we're walking right now. He's wanting to walk a little bit longer. He's wanting us to go a little bit wider. He's wanting us to get a little bit deeper. He's wanting to do exceeding abundantly above all we could ask or think. According to the power, according to always means the set standard. Who is setting the standard? Not God. He said, you set the standard and I'm going to exceed it. Amen. And right here the Lord said uh, he shows up and the Lord visited Sarah as he had said. Verse 1, and the Lord did for her as he had promised. For Sarah became pregnant and bore Abraham a son in his old age. And at the set time God had told him. Abraham named his son whom Sarah bore 
to him Isaac laughter, and Abraham circumcised him his son Isaac when he was eight days old, as God had commanded him. Abraham was a hundred years old when Isaac was born, and Sarah said, God has made me to laugh. All who hear will laugh with me. Now you just picture this. In chapter 21, here God visited Sarah. They're both so full. This is, I just got to laughing at myself and laughing with the Lord about this, this today. Picture this because God wants us to conceive it in order for us to receive it, right? And everything he was doing was to get them pregnant, to get them full, even changing their name. Abraham, Sarah, look at the stars, look at the dust, wanting them to get full. Are they full yet? Are they full of faith? Are they full of faith? hundred years old, there's been no action at the tent, right? hundred years old, nine, 90 years old for Sarah. Here it is getting full and can't you see Abram? Getting full, well, getting pregnant. I'm the father of many nations. Well, I'm a doer of the word, Sarah. You better get over here, girl. Woo! Anyway, I got a kick out of it. Because <laughs> once something gets full on the inside of you, you're not moved by what you see. All kidding aside, I mean, yeah, that, that had to take place. I mean, they had to act in faith for God's super to come on there natural, you know, resurrect. Anyway, we're going on. Okay, but when you get so full, my wife, she's turning red right there. When you get so full of something, though, nothing can hold you back. Nothing can hold us back from our destiny when we're so full of what God has said. Nothing can hold us back from experiencing flourishing in days of heaven upon the earth when we're so full of it. When we're pregnant, we're apprehending, we're grasping it, we're receiving it, we're taking it. Nothing can hold us back when we're so full of destiny and purpose and so full of what God has said. God is trying to take us beyond what we see in the natural, beyond what we're seeing right now, beyond where we're thinking right now, beyond where we've been walking. He's trying to take us beyond expanding, flourishing, thriving, spreading our wings. And when we're full, we're full, we act. When we're full, we say. When we're full, we see what others don't see. When we're full, we move in ways that others don't move. Let's, let's get full of restoration. Let's get full of flourishing in days of heaven upon the earth. Let's get full. Let's conceive. Let's conceive what God is saying. So we can receive what God has said. Notice earlier whenever God said, I have made you a father of many nations. Notice how God always speaks from our potential. He says, I've made you this, but then he goes back to the process. And he says, I'm making you this. He says, I've already seen the end from the beginning. I'm the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. I have made you this. Just like he told Jeremiah, from before you was even in your mother's womb, I have appointed you and consecrated you and set you apart for this. But then it's the process of becoming what I've made you. 
Don't forget the process. The process takes consistency. The process takes faith. The process takes repetition. The process can, takes continuing to, to apply the word, continuing to step north, south, east, and west, continuing to look beyond, continuing to come outside your tent, come outside what you see, come outside what you feel, and keep looking, keep believing, keep stepping, keep seeing in order to receive what God has for our life. Father, we come to you as a body of believers, and Holy Spirit, we ask you to recall this word to our mind. You are the teacher of the church, and we ask you, the same way you worked with Abraham and Sarah, and you kept helping them see the vision and conceive it and become full of it, Holy Spirit, we receive your help to conceive restoration, to see restoration, to walk in restoration, to experience restoration, to talk restoration. Can we change our name to restored? That's who we are. We are the restored of the Lord, improved, multiplied, increased, and made better. And we thank you for your word. We call it sealed in our heart by you, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Did you get something out of the word tonight? Amen, Pastor Kathy.